1: He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 107.1 WLIRFM
0: Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with Grammy Award winner and uh, songwriting Hall of Famer. Uh, Just an amazing impact On society, I have friends uh, that if you mention Don McLean, the first word that comes out of their mouth is Greenpeace, and uh, and for good reason. Tapestry, the debut album and great song from Don McLean, is uh, uh, just been so influential. And think of what Greenpeace has done and the influence it had. Uh, just a tremendous influence, Vincent. Of course, Castles in the Air and American Pie are the songs that everyone thinks of with him. But a hundred and seventy-three songs, all in one place, in 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 Don, and with Tom, Time Life. Just an amazing catalog. Don McLean, how are you?
2: Well, I'm very well, and thank you for that lovely introduction. I appreciate that. Um, this is a nice bunch of uh, records and songs that um, <clears throat> time, <clears throat> time Life has put up there, and they've uh, opened up my own YouTube channel, so people can go to that. That's just Google Don McLean YouTube channel, and they'll be right in the middle of all of it, and um, there's quite a variety of stuff. Uh, there's an album called um, For the Memories, which has 21 just uh, pop Songs that I sang, and there's uh, a, an album called Christmas Time, which uh, has another tw- maybe 20 or 24 of my favorite Christmas tunes. There's uh, two albums we did in Nashville, which have some hits on there. And there's Castles uh, in the Air and um, Crying, and Since I Don't Have You, which both those albums were produced by Larry Butler. And Since I Don't Have You, in my opinion, is the best record I ever made. Um. So I love that song And we enjoyed recording And then there are You know A variety of things uh, Don McLean sings Marty Robbins Um. There are two There's an album called Addicted to Black Which is one of the recent albums Of all my own material And on and on
0: Yeah It just it, It's on and on is right I mean You didn't even mention The Grave Which I think is such An important song that, uh, that you wrote And George Michael did a, a, a great uh, version of the, of the grave. And I, you know, just he really
2: did. Wow. I mean, it's, uh, he did, a mag- did a magnificent version of that song at a time when it was dangerous to do. You yeah. know, songs can be dangerous. They can be dangerous. Uh, the funny thing is, you know, <clears throat> they're taking down statues right and left all over the place in our country. And uh, songs can be dangerous. They can be banned, you know. And, uh, for example, in World War One, the Long Way to Tipperary was actually banned. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe it was because uh, there were so many Irish that uh, got into the uh, army and it made them homesick or something. <laughs> but in, when 9-11 happened, there was a whole list of songs. Imagine was banned. American Pie was banned. I mean, there was a bunch of them. Uh, the, the government... Didn't want you thinking certain things Which is kind of scary when you think about it
0: yeah, it, it really is I, it, It's a good, re- listen, it's another reason To love what you and Time Life did here You put it all in one spot And, and people are going to be You know, can, everyone thinks of Vincent and, I, I shouldn't say everyone But Castle in the Air and of course American Pie But you have so much that you So many albums that I, I think went underappreciated yeah,
2: well, you, know, you know, the funny thing was When CDs came in Albums were going out. About 1980 or 81 or something, I had this couple of nice hits with Crying and Castles in the Air and and some more minor ones. And by 1985 or 6, they were selling all the vinyl off because the record companies knew that CDs were coming in. And I I went into a record store. I couldn't find any records that I liked and none of mine. I said, wow, I guess I'm already out of the business again. (laughs) You know? well shortly after somebody comes to a show with a CD of American Pie I couldn't believe it and they had a CD of of Tapestry so the CD thing started and each year after that if I would go into Virgin Records when I go to New York there'd be bin after bin of my albums it was the most exciting thing I mean it was growing Um, so that and then that died and so now um, you know there have been more albums that have been made and compilations with other things on them and uh, God there must be 400 tracks on the internet accounting after we add this 173 and uh, hundreds and hundreds of YouTube performances and live performances so it just makes me really happy you know uh, when I see a good performance and thinking it's 30 years old and think well you know you, you did it you know, you did it, you did it right, and uh, it's, it lasts. It's a beautiful thing. It really is.
0: You know, I was just going to ask you, I, I, have you had the opportunity to take a deep breath and look back and be really proud, not only of the music, but the impact? I mentioned Greenpeace. Think of all the great things Greenpeace has done, and, and the fact that you had influence over that, and the, the way your songs have been used. We mentioned George Michael and uh, Elvis. I think the last song Elvis ever recorded on album was one of your songs, if I remember correctly. I, I mean, the impact that you've had uh, culturally uh, is just it, it's just amazing. Have you had an opportunity to say, you know, good job, Don, <laughs> you know, way to go?
2: Well, I, I don't really pat myself on the back, but um, as I say, I haven't seen or heard anything that made me wince or cry or, you know, lose sleep or something. Yeah. You know, I, I, I haven't done, uh, you know, I remember Sinatra said that, you know, uh, Mitch Miller was producing him at Columbia, which is what was his record label before he went to Capitol and he made his big return with all those great Capitol albums. But, you know, Mitch made him sing novelty songs. He sang a song called Mama Will Bark. (laughs) It was a dog song. Yeah. And like he was so embarrassed, you know, that he got he was so desperate for some kind of action on the radio that he, he recorded this crap. And it's like Elvis, you know, I mean probably a hundred and fifty of Elvis's large catalog, maybe a third of all the songs Elvis sang were Ben Wiseman songs from movies. Like you you know, you can't do the bake and a Corvette, or some dumbass song like right. that. Yeah, and you know he would turn to the, the Jordanaires. Would tell me, you know, he'd turn to. Uh, I would talk to uh, the Gordon Stoker every Christmas. We'd have a nice long Christmas talk, you know. And Elvis would look at the song and say, "What am I supposed to do with this piece of shit?" <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: look, look, you got nothing like that in your. That's catalog. bad, you know. Yeah. I
2: never did that. I did. I didn't do that because I had to fight. You know, to always do
0: what I wanted to do Listen, you've, you know? come, you've come a long way Since that, that 1964 World's Fair I, you got to be proud of what you've done And I, I, I certainly am I, thrilled to have you here And I know people are waiting to talk to you So I'm going to let you go Don McClain, congratulations on everything And congratulations certainly on Time Life and, and, and your effort The new digital effort Of putting 173 songs out there Just great Don, thank you very much for being here
2: what a nice interview.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And to everyone Don McLean uh, everyone knows him from American Pie and and Vincent Empty Chair is another one of his big hits. But uh, since I don't have you he mentioned just uh, just wow. What a uh, what a career he has put together and uh, you know again it gets overshadowed by I think by American Pie. And it was such a you know such a huge song. In fact, American Pie uh, was selected by Billboard to be one of the top five songs of the century, of the 20th century. I mean, think of think of how many songs came out in the 20th century. And American Pie, the guy we just spoke to, Don McLean, one of uh, those songs. One of those. top... I don't even know what the other four are. I just, I just have the statistic in front of me. But uh, you know, one of the five songs in that list is something he wrote and recorded and has made legendary there's been so many versions of it it is unbelievable what Don McLean has done with his career but think of the Greenpeace aspect he wrote a song uh, tapestry on his debut album his debut album 19 I guess 1970 and Greenpeace was uh, was established in 71 And the founders of Greenpeace were inspired by that song and the lyrics of that song it's got nothing to do with the the Carole King song but tapestry is uh, is his is Don McLean's you know first you know his debut album and it inspired Greenpeace so right out of the chute he's he's having influence regardless of what you you know what side of the the political spectrum you're on you know Greenpeace has made a tremendous impact. They're in 40 countries and everything else. So uh, the impact this man has had on his career, he's got to look back and be very proud. He's modest, and he, of course, he's not going to pat himself on the back, but hes uh, he's got a lot to be proud of, and he's done well with everything, and I'm and, sure you know, financially and everything else. Uh, the Grave, George Michael did that song uh, as a uh, anti-war song. It is an anti-war song, but George Michael... Uh, made an impact on that google that but anyway uh grammy award winner songwriter hall of famer and again time life and don mcclain have put out 173 songs all in the same spot frank mckay signing off american pie vincent and castles in the sky are just three of the 173 that are on that collection on in that digital collection frank mckay signing off don mcclain
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.
0: I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down, Frank McKay here, uh, uh, film and television actor, Aramis Knight, and you, you know him from so much work over the years, and I, he just, I, everything he's in, I could I could either watch or listen to him do, and uh, you know, it, w- whether it's a voiceover in Megamind, or you saw him from The Dark Knight, Valentine's Day, The Mentalist. What what a nice career that he has put together, and it's just getting better and better. Aramis Knight, you can see him in Ms. Marvel, and streaming starts right now on Disney Plus. Uh, so many people anticipating it. And Aramis Aramis Knight, how are you?
1: Oh, I'm very good. How are you,
0: Frank? I'm doing terrific. Uh, are you excited uh, when when things come out uh, like this? Uh, is the first day uh, a, a big deal? I know you're doing, like, interviews and everything like that, but is it a big day in your household, or because you've already seen it as a kind of old hat? I
1: think uh, I think we're a little desensitized to it at this point. You know, I've been, like... Living with it as a bit of a secret for the last, you know, two and a half years or so. So now that it's out and everyone is actually seeing me, uh, it's it's, it's a bit weird. It's a bit of an uh, an adjustment. So I would say it hasn't hasn't quite sunk in yet.
0: Yeah, anything that has to do with the, the Marvel Universe, the Marvel word, though is uh, is always going to be highly anticipated highly scrutinized highly looked at uh, that's got to be exciting right i mean and and you know the fact that it's coming out today and then the masses and myself included will be uh, will be watching it uh it's uh, it, it has to be uh, a lot of anticipation on the uh, on the cast uh, of how the public's going to view it. I I have a feeling I have a feeling it's going to be a big hit. Uh, but your thoughts on that? The anticipation of how others will receive it.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, you know, project is made three different times, so it's always kind of hard to tell exactly what you have on your hands, even while you're filming something. So. Uh, being able to like watch the episodes and see actually how good they all came out um, You know, I was super proud of it and I think uh, I think every everyone uh, has really been enjoying it, you know, we have like the 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 highest uh, Highest rating on Rotten Tomatoes of any Marvel project ever right now uh, So it, it, it's very exciting. It, it couldn't be a, a better received so far.
0: Yeah, I was just kind of i was just kind of looking at uh, at that uh, as a uh, you know just a, a prelude to you uh, coming on. it's uh, very nice, uh, very nicely received. Uh, are you uh, are you someone who grew up a Marvel fan? were you uh, or are you kind of were you kind of like um, uh, uh, you know on the outside and now uh, kind of getting there or did you grow up reading Marvel, watching Marvel? Um, where Where were you with uh, with regards to all of that?
1: Yeah, I didn't, uh, I mean, I didn't I didn't read the comics as a kid, but, you know, I grew up on, like, the original Iron Man and the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, uh, so, you know, I'm no, I'm no stranger to it, but, you know, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I was a huge comic book fan, but I definitely became much more well-versed in the MCU after I became a part of it, that's for sure
0: know well, it's nice to be part of it it's it's a whole different world hey I'm the same way I read com- I'm much older than you I'm 55 and I read comic books uh, you know growing up and there wasn't as, as much entertainment growing up you got to see uh, you know big-time films uh, in your youth to watch it, so you're coming in uh, from a whole different perspective. But there are people who live Marvel and die Marvel, and and everything, and yeah. for, good, for good reason. It, and they should be there. And uh, and I'm thrilled that they're enjoying this.
1: Yeah, definitely some of the the greatest fans in the world. That's for sure. I mean, I've I've already felt it with, uh, you know, just the the first uh, five episodes being out. That uh, you know, it's. It's definitely a, a
0: whole, a whole different league. Let me ask you, uh, you know, about Beyond, right? I mean, I, obviously, there's this universe, but you've you've put together a, a really an impressive career, and uh, you had a lot of roles. You have, uh, you know, voiceovers. You have uh, great work that you've done, uh, you know, on screen, big screen, small screen. Uh, is there is there anything that you're looking to do at this point in your career that you're kind of aiming for? Or are you, uh, are you kind of just letting the chips fall where they may, you know, work hard and see what comes up? Uh, or are you kind of guiding uh, towards different type of roles?
1: I, I think it's a little bit of both, you know? Like, uh, I think manifestation is really powerful. Like, I remember being on... Um, Uh, into the badlands for you know four years or so and uh everyone on that show saying oh you know marvel's gonna swoop you up marvel's gonna swoop you up and and i kind of didn't think anything of it you know i didn't want to like project or expect anything uh but but they they were absolutely right so i kind of feel like uh you know through through manifestation you're able to, to to in in some way uh, affect your future, and and obviously you're gonna go after things that you you want more than than other things. Um, but but for me, this is like you know an amazing stepping stone. And uh, next, I would love to I don't know I, I want to get some um, I want to get some uh, really character roles under my belt uh, at some point. Something where I'm I'm a little unrecognizable, or I get to play something uh, a little uh, a little off offbeat. Uh, I think that's something I'd want to do next.
0: Well, I, I think you're going to get your opportunities everywhere you look. Uh, you're you're a hot name right now, and for good reason. It seems like you put a lot of work and a lot of effort into uh, into your craft, and it's uh, it, you know it's manifesting to use kind of your word, uh, it, your word there. It's manifesting into into good things. What's the rest of you, of your year look like, uh, and what what happens uh, next? And I know a lot of things are fluid because of you know still pandemic issues and transitional uh, periods but do you have a rock-solid schedule um, for the rest of the year, or is it fluid? It's pretty fluid.
1: Um, you know, thing, things come up here and there, but uh, for now I don't have any long-term obligations for the rest of the year. Uh, but, but, you know, that, that kind of always changes my schedule. Like It feels like it's never really set in stone, so it's hard to tell.
0: I kind of think that's a nice thing, too, you know, to have a little uh, little bit of movement in your schedule, especially in the times, and, and it's part of the times and everything else. So, listen, congratulations on uh, on your latest, and uh, it's it's going uh, wonderfully, and the rest of your cast members of Ms. Marvel getting rave reviews everywhere you go, streaming uh, starting uh, today exclusively on Disney+, Plus and a nice place to be. Uh, RMS, can you give us uh, your... Uh, your social media sites, websites, and and thanks a lot for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, all my social media is just Aramis Knight. Uh, Aramis spelled A R A M I S. Knight with the
0: Congrats again. We'll be watching, and thanks a lot for being here. Cool. Yeah, thank you so much. Aramis Knight. Everyone has been our very special guest. Okay. And, uh, he, you know, is really put a nice career together and, and going strong. Ms. Marvel, by the way, is uh, is, is upon us. And uh, you could binge the show and, and get all the episodes, but uh, new shows streaming, uh, you know, as of now, uh, right now, exclusively on, on Disney. Plus, once you get into that world, uh, forget it. You got all eyes on you. And uh, and scrutiny and everything else, and he's he's handling it wonderfully. Uh, Aramis Knight has uh, once again been our very special guest. Uh, Frank McKay here, much more importantly. Uh, Aramis, you know, is uh, his work from uh, from all over and uh, uh, Ender's Games, uh, Ender's Game, and uh, M.K. in the AMC series and Into the Badlands, and uh, certainly. Had uh, had a good response off of that, and a good, nice cast around him. Good show, actually. And uh, look, the Dark Knight, Mega, uh, Mega Mind, Valentine's Day, The Mentalist. I uh, have some pretty good credits behind him, and and the best is yet to come. They were right when they said Marvel will s- uh, swoop you up. I, that uh, that happens, and I could see people prior, you know, uh, just even prior to to seeing him in uh, in all of this. Uh, you could see that he's the type. He's the uh, you know I don't want to say typecast, but he's he's the type that Marvel uh, you know uh, dig up and and fit into their um, uh, you know fit into their uh, uh, their means, and they'll uh, figure out a role for uh, you know for people. Uh, out there that they uh that they want uh he, he used the word stepping stone which uh you know i don't know you know want to underline uh it if, if he said that mistakenly but um yeah i don't know <laughs> they want to be known as a stepping stone but it is he's being candid there he's being he's being honest and a lot of people go into it and say you know what i do a little marvel i'll get a little bit of attention and uh and then i'm off to the races nice to see people young in their career doing and by the way being honest too he wasn't a big comic book reader I was at least early on but I wasn't fanatically into Marvel or DC and you know again in the in the 70's there were a lot less there was a lot less to do back then uh, than there is now and there's a lot lot bigger fish to fry for so many of the kids when it comes to entertainment and they got it right out there right on their phones right at their disposal and, uh, you know, good for them, good for my kids growing up with a, with a, a much better uh, <laughs> um, selection of entertainment, at least. Ms. Marvel is the, the name of it, and, uh, again, Ender's Game, he was in Into the Badlands, etc. Frank McKay signing off. Our very special guest has been Aramis Knight. Check him out on Ms. Marvel. You can see it now, streaming. On Disney Plus, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down.
1: It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay.
0: Long Island vibes on
1: 1071 WLIR FM, Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay.
0: I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Wendy Dio is our very special guest, and she, uh, you know, is part of a power couple. She was the manager of Ronnie James Dio, the wife, of course, of Ronnie James Dio, the late great singer of uh, first Elf and then Rainbow and um, of course Black Sabbath and then the great solo work that he did, starting with Holy Diver in celebration of what would have been Ronnie's 80th birthday, if you can imagine that, 80th year, uh, 80 years old on July 10th. Uh, out comes Holy Diver Super Deluxe Edition. Everyone uh, that loves Dio, as I do, has to get this. It's a box set of the 1983 debut album by Dio and unreleased outtakes, which I'm looking forward to. 2LP um, and digital editions also available. Just absolutely thrilled to have Wendy Dio with us. Wendy, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Frank, for having us. Well, listen, thrilled to have you as always. Uh, you've got to look back uh, and and think fondly of, of how Ronnie is seen in rock history and uh, and certainly uh, hard rock and heavy metal. Uh, I mean, he is just one of those iconic figures. If there was a Rushmore, Ronnie James Dio would be there for sure.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I can't believe uh you know he would have been eighty years old. I can't picture Ronnie being eighty. Uh, it makes me laugh actually to think of him being eighty um he He would still be here rocking and writing songs and performing uh he loved every, he loved everything he did he loved his fans um and I'm so happy that the fans still love him and um that's that's and I'm really happy with his box set. Uh, I hope the fans like it. I'm really pleased with what job she did um i think that rhino has done a great job and i'm i'm, I'm happy for everyone to be able
0: to have this well, rhino has been a great company for so long and uh it's nice to see you guys connect uh with rhino uh, how long in the making was this uh and uh when did you uh what was the genesis of of deciding to do this on the 80th birthday was this a long time coming
3: Yeah, it's been about two years in the making, actually. Um, Rhino first started... uh talking about putting out the uh, anniversary for his for his 80th birthday and, and next year it'll be 40 years since the album came out and uh, then they decided, they came and asked me about having, it, having uh, it remixed and I was a little apprehensive about that of working with, you know, messing with Ronnie's work and then I said well yes but I want to pick who does it and then so I researched different producers and uh, came across Joe Barishi who had done Tool and a lot of other stuff. And I thought, oh, he sounds really good. And I know Ronnie loved Tool. And so um, I, I spoke to him and his manager and uh, found out that Joe was a big Dio fan and uh, he was a little afraid to mess with Ronnie's work but uh, he did and he did a great job I'm very happy with what he did um, it's very much in your face uh, he did um, you know there's no fade out so you're kind of like as if you're there with the band making the record and then he found the outtakes in the vault and he said let's put these out and I thought oh that sounds like a good idea and then we found the, uh, the, the 1983 show uh, from Fresno that hadn't been released and then a few other little tidbits were on the B-sides of, of, uh, of singles and it all just came together. We had the Mark Sasso, our artist, has done a lot of deal albums. He came up with some new, out, uh, some new artwork and Mick Wars was uh, talking about it and, and it, was, it just all came together but it was, a long, it was a long time coming together but we worked very hard on it and I'm very pleased with the result
0: if you're just joining us or turning on your radios a little late frank mckay here so much more importantly holy diver super deluxe edition is out it's a box set of the 1983 debut album by dio we're here with Wendy Dio and, and everyone, get this, it's out by Rhino and Rhino is such a, uh, they're a class act and they they have always been a class act. And you know that they handle this extremely well. The combination of Wendy Dio and Rhino uh, are going to put out a great, uh, great product always. Uh, the outtakes, Wendy, uh, did you use everything that you found in that session or were there things that you kind of weeded through and, and didn't use? Uh, what, was the, what was that process like, I, I assume, between you, Rhino, and Joe?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Joe was going through. Joe was in the in the lead on that. He was finding things and oh my goodness, this is a gem. This is a gem, and he was all excited about it. And uh, we were great. So yeah, he basically weeded out what he thought that that, that this should go on there. And um, I'm happy with what he chose. And uh, we have a lot more stuff in the vault, uh, which I think Rhino wants to put out in 2024 for the last in line. But right now we just. Uh, found everything we
0: could find for Holy Diver. You know, there was, I just go off of memory as a kid and reading in Kerrang! and and, uh, and different metal magazines. It wasn't like it is now, obviously, with the internet. But I remember uh, hearing about the Dio uh, solo album prior to, uh, or a Dio uh, solo album, prior to uh, Ronnie joining Sabbath and uh, I always wondered whether there was a completed set of tracks or some tracks and then you just kind of uh, sidelined it or was it just in the uh, in, in the talking stages or the planning stages? Was there recordings uh, prior to Sabbath well, that were planned Well, uh, Ronnie to be-
3: actually wrote um, Holy Diver and Don't Talk to Strangers while he was in Sabbath. He was writing those songs uh, and they may have been on the next Sabbath album, but you know when uh, when they split, Ronnie said, oh, I got these songs, let's, uh, let's find some musicians to go along with it and you know Vinnie went with him and then they went and asked Jimmy Bain uh, because Jimmy had played with Ronnie in in Rainbow uh, about finding some bass players and Jimmy just assumed it was him which it was (laughs) and they went to Britain and uh, went through looking at lots of different artists until they found a guitar player that fit and uh, that's how it all went together and uh, it was uh, it was a it was a fun in oh, time, okay. especially when the album came out. Uh,
0: is there a lot of Dio material that we've just never heard that the fans and the and the public have never heard? Uh, or is, uh, there's it, about
3: yeah. four. There's about four songs, and there's a few other things, you know. There's unfinished stuff, um, which we're sorting through and seeing if we can uh, bring that stuff out. Um, I will put the, all this. I think the fans would like to hear stuff that is unreleased that hasn't been out before, and we will we will do that.
0: Wendy, congratulations on on everything. Certainly, this is a great project. Uh, we're all looking forward to this, and uh, and and it's upon us now. And uh, happy birthday in in uh, heaven, Ronnie James Dio. Uh, and if you can give us a website or a social media site that uh, we can get and we can kind of follow along with what you're doing and and Ronnie's legacy.
3: Yeah, well, you got Ronnie, Genius, Ronnie James RonnieJamesdeo.com, uh, and then you've got uh, for the Kansas Fund, uh, you've got uh, dio.org. So there's a two websites that you can go to or our fan bases and uh, just find everything that's going on. We're, we're luckily uh, going to do the Bowl for Ronnie once again after two and a half years of not being able to do it. So we will be doing the Bowl for Ronnie in uh, California in, uh, on the 17th of November. That's exciting. We've got a documentary coming out in the end of summer. So we've got a lot of things going on.
0: Wendy Dio, thank you very much for being here.
3: Thank you for having me. Couldn't do it without you guys.
0: Wendy Dio, everyone, the wife and manager of the late great Ronnie James Dio, and you know we were, you know, uh, talking about the, uh, uh, you know, the formation of Dio and, and Vinnie uh, Appice. Uh, a piece, right? Now Carmine calls himself one thing And Vinnie calls himself the other The two great drummers um, uh, Carmine and, uh, and Vinnie in this case uh, Vinnie left Sabbath along with uh, After replacing Bill Wood Replaced um, Bill Wood And, and uh, left with Ronnie Dio When he, uh, he formed this solo um, project and, and Jimmy Bain was uh was selected as the bass player uh if you notice she left out one name she left out the guitar as she just mentioned they were searching for a guitarist the the name she left out was vivian campbell and you know who did a great job on uh on those two uh, two albums he played with him. i don't think did he, i don't think he played in last in line wasn't it um no, I don't think he did, and I uh, and that uh, would Craig Goldie maybe played uh, in last in line, or maybe he came after that. But anyway, Vi- Vivian Campbell probably wasn't mentioned by Wendy. I, I don't think that was a uh, that was a very amicable split when he left. He went on to uh, you know to have a great career with White Snake and Def Leppard, but Vivian Campbell. <laughs> she didn't mention the name Vivian Campbell there, and I think he was a big part of the part of the uh those first two albums that dio did on his uh, on his solo work and um but he left uh you know he he left in uh, you know not a not a great uh great way to uh, vivian campbell anyway that uh, we've had vivian on uh before and you know I, I i don't antagonize or do anything along those lines but um you, you get this if you're a dio fan or hard rock fan get this album uh it's a uh, it's the holy uh, holy diver deluxe edition and you know it's uh, again a box set of the 83 debut album uh that uh that went i think double platinum right away and it really was a great album and interesting right those those uh, two songs uh, holy diver and don't talk to strangers would have been a uh, would have been sabbath songs and uh, of course a, a much different sabbath uh, than than the man uh, the, than the band that uh, uh, it was when he replaced Ozzy Osbourne and uh, two two different Sabbaths you know two different bands and I owe me credit to him and Geezer Butler and Bill Ward for having um, having two really two different great bands or two different great versions of Sabbath oh, you know and, and Ian Gillen came in I know but no, nothing. Uh, after Dio left, I mean, you know, Sabbath was not the same. And they were great with Ozzy and they were great with Dio, uh, but much different bands. Dio would have been 80 years old. Wendy Dio has been our very special guest, his wife and manager. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Tom Wheelwright is the author of of the win-win wealth strategy and other books but this is his latest and so many people are talking about this and very excited about it seven investments the government will pay you to make uh, is the rest of that title the uh, description there is uh, is just terrific he's getting rave, getting rave. reviews tom we all right how are you
4: i'm good how are
0: you frank uh, doing wonderfully uh, is are things different now than uh, maybe they were in the past? And, and when you say seven investments, the government will pay you to make. Uh, is this a, a new uh, uh, found uh, bunch of uh, uh, investments here, or is this, uh, is, is this something that's been around and just people haven't talked about it? Uh,
4: it it's been around. Uh, it started in, nine, in the 1960s with JFK. He gave the first big uh, government incentive. Uh, which was uh, for manufacturing equipment. Ever since then, governments around the world have started doing this more and more. The difference is right now is that people misunderstand. They think these are loopholes, they think these are things that the rich are getting away with, when in fact, these are intentional incentives that the government is using to do what the government wants done.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, this is uh, music to a lot of people's ears. We just don't know. I mean, uh, you know, most of us just don't know. And it's uh, the importance of your book. Uh, How long in the making has this book been? (laughs) Well,
4: I've been I've been uh, in I've been a CPA for over 40 years. So, this is the, the book's literally been in the making that long. Um, I started 10 years ago. I wrote Tax Free Wealth, which has uh, been a perennial bestseller. And uh, that's kind of a baseline. And this is the sequel, which is basically how you get to become an active partner with the government. And so the, bar, the government actually contributes to your investing. They're part of your partnership, and uh, you get the government benefits. And, you know, when you win, they get benefits.
0: You're one of the the folks that uh, that can be considered. Um to have expertise in the mainstream and also with some of the newer currencies cryptocurrency to, uh, to be specific. Uh, so many of your colleagues ignored it and and passed up and uh, you you seem to be one of the people who picked up on it early and realized that it's uh, it's it's to be taken seriously. Uh, where Where do we stand in the crypto market now and uh, how is the IRS looking at cryptocurrency?
4: Well, interesting enough, there's a uh, government task force right now in Congress that is looking at how to tax cryptocurrency. The IRS doesn't really know what to do with it. Um, They're they're like 30 years behind times anyway. So um, what they're looking at, they they treat it like property right now. But there are some things, for example, um, that are different than like if you're trading stocks. For example, if you sell a stock at a loss, you've got to wait 30 days to buy it back in order to claim that loss on your tax return. But with crypto, you could buy it back five minutes later and claim the loss. So if, if you brought, bought crypto at uh, 50, if you bought Bitcoin at 50 and you sell it today at 20 and then you buy it back at 20, you get to recognize that $30,000 loss on your tax return, even though you don't, wait, you don't have to wait 30 days to do that. So crypto is different from stocks. And I, I think the biggest benefit of crypto uh, crypto is not crypto, but I actually think it's the blockchain technology behind it. So I'm a big fan of Ethereum. I'm a pretty public fan of Ethereum just because they're more of the technology behind it. They're not just a token. And, uh, and, and I, love, I love what blockchain is going to do with the world because I, I, I think it is the next big technology.
0: How would you approach it? Uh, and, and again, you know, we don't want you to spoil the book. We want everyone to buy, uh, again, the win-win wealth strategy, seven investments the government will pay you to make. Uh, and again, Tom Wheelwright is here with us. Buy this book, everyone. Without spoiling, without you know, giving, giving everything away here. Uh, how should we approach uh, blockchain and, and how, we're, how we're looking at it for the future and, uh, and cryptocurrency in general?
4: Well, I, I, I think all investments you should approach from a cash flow standpoint. And in the Win Win Wealth Strategy, I talk about seven investments that are cash flowing investments. Okay, so these are things that produce cash flow, um, which includes things like business and real estate, technology, things, and, and crypto would be in the technology area, right? So if I look at blockchain, blockchain's really triple entry accounting, right? You have a, you have a, a left side, you have a right side, and then you have an auditor. And uh, every transaction is audited. That's what I like about blockchain. But I like it as a business because as a business, it produces cash flow, right? So as a, as a pure trading, you can produce cash flow by trading it, okay? But you really got to know what you're doing if you're going to trade crypto because uh, it, it's so volatile.
0: If, if you take crypto and, and blockchain out of the equation for a moment, is there is there any investment that you believe in more now than you know let's say 20 years ago when you wrote your first bestseller uh, is there something you you swear by now or at least uh, you know have more faith in that you used to uh, than you used to have
4: yeah renewable energy I, I think renewable energy, especially when you combine renewable energy with real estate. So let's say you have real estate and you put solar panels on, or you have a, a ranch and you put wind. Uh, turbines on it. I think that that renewable energy, because remember, the government is really pushing hard for renewable energy. So you always have to look at what's the government want. What are what are they pushing for? That's where the tax incentives are, and that's probably where the money is. And so I, I find that renewable energy can be um, is something that people ignore. They think, oh, it's something I put on my house. But if you put it on your business, you get both a tax credit. And a tax deduction, and I, I, I think too many people ignore um, the potential returns on investment from renewable energy um, just because they're thinking, well, it's not that efficient, and I don't get that much money, but the reality is you're only paying a third of the cost if you do it right. The government's paying the other two-thirds, and you get all the benefits.
0: You know, I wish we had a whole uh, whole show to talk to, uh, talk about renewable energy. It's such a big subject and such a fluid uh, subject, but we don't. Uh, Tom, can you tell us anything else we should know about the book? And before you go, uh, congrats on all your success and, and certainly the uh, rave reviews you're already getting uh, from the win-win wealth strategy. But uh, give us your social media sites and your websites also before you go. But before that, let, anything else you wanna add?
4: Yeah, I, I just think what's important to know is that you, you get to choose. Are you a silent partner with the government and, you, and the government just takes your money? Or are you an active partner and you actually get to use some of the government's money? And, and to me, that's the, that's the win-win is when you can be an active partner with the government. If you're a silent partner, that's a win-lose. You lose, the government wins. But if you actually actually do something the government wants you to do, one of these seven investments, then that's a win-win strategy, and that's where you're going to make a lot more money and pay a lot less tax.
0: Tom, congrats once again, and thank you very much for being here.
4: Thank you, Uh, and and anybody can reach us at WealthAbility.com. The book's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere books are sold.
0: The win-win wealth strategy, seven investments the government will pay you to make. Tom Wheelwright has been our very special guest and uh, he's a best-selling author. And so many people in uh, in the field uh, have t- tremendous uh, respect for, uh, for Tom and what he's done and what he's uh, accomplished. CPA by trade, but uh, so much more than that. Um, you know, so many, uh, so many authors. Uh, you know, come around and they put out like some, you know, some quick book. This, this man, he's uh, has his expertise in just, uh, just about every aspect you can in, uh, in, in the financial world and tax world. And uh, look, the IRS doesn't seem to know how to uh, how to handle uh, cryptocurrency, and uh, they're, they're obviously going to try to figure it out and going to do what they can to uh, uh, to get their cut of it. And uh, you know, it's a guy like Tom Wheelwright who's uh, on the cutting edge of that. And if you're uh, if you're dabbling or if you're fully invested in, in crypto, uh, you know, he's he's the one guy I would point to to really uh follow to uh, to figure out what uh, what it is you should be looking out for and again you know there's mysteries out there but there's guys like uh, Tom wheelwright who figure out those mysteries for us again the name of the book is the win-win wealth strategy everyone please get this book seven investments the government will pay you to make and and again uh, I wish we I mentioned it to Tom but I wish we had a uh, a full uh, hour or whatever to talk about renewable energy, uh, it's um, it, it's something that's important. And I also you know, wanted to ask them is, uh, you know, look, uh, over the next two, uh, two years, is it just important to uh, to this administration that's going to be there? Or is when somebody uh, comes in, someone new comes in, but you got to take renewable energy um, very seriously. And... Um, and again, uh, he talks about it in, uh, in the book and, and, and strategies going there and all the different wealth strategies that come along with it. Tom Wheelwright, once again, has been our very special guest, Frank McKay, signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down.
1: This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bay's.